0: Those so
1: the destination for live music on demand. They have a growing collection of over 15,000 full-length concert recordings from bands like Pearl Jam, Sonic Youth, and Strange Film, so you'll never run out of live music to explore. You can listen to a show from last night or one from 40 years ago. I've been using the Net app for about two years now, and uh, it really helped out when I was getting heavily into Humphreys McGee last summer after seeing their Red Rock shows. Um, I was able to just go through each year, kind of scroll through Twitter, get highlights of great shows, throw them up, and right there I had soundboard quality shows. I remember in particular... February 1st, 2014 from Detroit, an absolutely epic show that totally won me over. Hearing it in pristine soundboard quality right there on my phone was absolutely epic.
0: And hey, Nugs has a ton of Metallica shows. Metallica's really fun live. They have like a lunk headed stage banter down to a science, in addition to having a really huge catalog. James Hetfield always says stuff like we play some new songs and then we play the old songs and they play "Ride right by they play like Ride the Lightning or Creeping Death you know it's got kind of the set list they know what they're doing it's great to have all those shows at your fingertips I've been gorging on Metallica shows as of played what's great about Nugs is that it's available on desktop iOS Android apps, Sonos and Blue OS just like us, the folks at Nugs.net are live music fanatics. So now they're offering new subscribers a 35% discount
1: on an annual subscription. So go to Nugs.net/Osiris O S I R I S and sign up today. If you already have a subscription, go ahead and give the gift of live music to a friend. Again, Nugs.net/Osiris for a 35% off an of annual subscription.
0: I'm David Goldstein.
1: I am Brian Brinkman. You are
0: tuned in to episode 70 of the Beyond the Pond Podcast. This is the podcast in which Brian and myself generally use the music of fish as a means of introducing the listener to other bands. These are usually not jam bands because we love fish. We are fish fans, love following the summer tour. But the problem with fish fans is sometimes they get a bit myopic. They only pay attention to their favorite band and they can recall set lists and times and dates and venues and what they drank at the venue and what they ingested, the dinner they had the night before their favorite show. But when you talk about other bands, then they kind of give you a blank stare and that just should not happen.
1: It shouldn't, but it does, but, mm. but it shouldn't. And that's where we come in. See, we love fish. We are huge Fish fans, as David said at the top of the episode. We spend an inordinate amount of time listening to Fish, talking about Fish, digesting Fish, but we also have other obsessions too. Yes, we have other loves, and we are here to help guide you out into the world of other music so that you can suddenly say to your friends, hey, I like that band too, and I also like that band. That's what we're here for. And today, Tonight, uh, in the lot, wherever you may be right now listening to this episode, we are breaking down the third week of Fish's Summer 2019 Tour. The two shows in Bangor, Maine, the three shows, first ever three-night run in Camden, New Jersey, beautiful Camden, New Jersey. Uh, An interesting week, I think an important week. And I think that we're both really excited for what we're going to talk about here.
0: If you're listening to this episode on lot, that's really weird, but blast it loud just because it'd be kind of funny to hear our voices uh, blurring out over the fish lot. (laughs) (laughs) Themes that we're going to explore in this episode include, so just where are all these new songs going to fit? Segmented brilliance and the past is purity, but is it the way forward? And on that note, let's get to the fish.
2: I can hold my breath for a minute or so. Five days without food is as long as I'll go. I didn't sleep once for four days and three nights. I once didn't stop
1: for seven red lights. i jumped into water that's... All right, guys. So like we said, we are here recappabling the third week of Fish's Summer 2019 tour. And like we've done with the, with the last two episodes, we've got six segments that we're going to go through here. Kind of break the tour down. If you've joined us for episodes 68 and 69... You know, that we kind of go through this in a little bit of a different way than we have in the past. We're not going show by show, but category by category by category. Um, and with that, we kick it off with our first category, the best opening quarter. Dave, what was the best opening quarter of the past week of music being two nights at Bangor and three nights at Camden?
0: I think we both concur on this. We said Camden night two, June 29th. Classic Mike's Groove and Divided Sky.
1: Absolutely. And this is not a knock on Sunday night's first set and opening quarter. But these are two of the biggest, in quotes, songs in Fish's catalog, being Mike's Groove and Divided Sky. And would you know, they've never been played next to each other. Just an amazing, amazing way to open the show. Even if they did not jam out the Mike song fact that you get this pure Mike's groove followed by Divided Sky just sets you back to like 1988 era fish it's unbelievable
0: I was actually at the show and uh, just a quick shout out to um, Beyond the Pond fan on Twitter at Matty Bones he helped me actually uh, find a ticket on cash or trade thank you very much Matt it was actually great meeting you uh, and your girlfriend at break as well so I was at the show It was uh, old school and very fun opening. Kind of um, maybe to make up for the night before going on super late. This time, Fish went on super early at uh, 7.50. As such, I actually heard the opening notes to this Mike song when I was waiting in line for a 16-ounce can of uh, Dogfish Head American Beauty, which is 6.5% pale ale. It's a good thing to drink at a concert. I kind of like that that's available. And just to say that, I know some people tend to bitch about Divided Sky. I mean, I get that it's long. It always, it's a composition, it stays the same, and Trey isn't quite as fleet of finger as he once was. But come on, I mean, this is some classic junta composition. It's kind of like going to Fish Church. I would say don't waste your hatred on Divided Sky. You know?
1: Yeah, d- Divided Sky is my favorite fish song it was my favorite fish song when i was 16 and just getting into the band and you know even though my reasons for following fish have evolved and changed completely since when i was 16 years old in many ways divided sky always remains my favorite song to hear it took me like my first 10 shows before i actually caught one i thought that the band just didn't want to play one for me <laughs> um but yeah i would never understand the hate for it, no matter how many times i see it and just that pure 1980s-esque opening quarter for fish, man. I mean, there's just something super sweet about it. It brings us all back to those first tapes that we got. I loved it. So jumping into our second category here, Dave, this, is, uh, this, this category was your inception, the Kool-Aid Man Award. What do we have, uh, the jam that makes us want to run through a wall and just scream at the top of our lungs?
0: The jam that makes us want to turn into an... Anthropomorphic pitcher of sugar water and run through a wall. This would be the version of "Simple" from June 25th from Bangor, Maine.
1: We love "Simple." It's 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 one of those songs that's hard to, in any way, dislike it. But we really, really love how Simple can tap into truly evil music from time to time. Just off the top of my head, I'm thinking uh 12997 and 72199 as two just massive evil simple jams. Uh oh also 220 oh three for first sure. show. Uh it's just such a unique side of a really pretty song and this version just makes us want to run through a wall. It is so evil. It kind of reminded me in some ways from a 3.0 standpoint of um, the version from Bend a few years ago, in that it got a little bit rhythmic and uh, just a heavy rock riff from Trey. It was just really fantastic.
0: Yeah, some of the other candidates we could have had for this would have been um, the Camden Mercury from Night 1, Camden Mystic Complete from Night 3, but man, Evil Simples. I mean, this one just starts rocking and keeps rocking. It builds evil you can throw up the devil horns at some point this is not a happy simple this is just grinding rock and roll and especially um coming not long after a really fantastic version of down with disease mm-hmm. what was it in between there was a song in between there
1: down with disease play by play uh, yes. simple and then you had a really compact good piper a nice breather and miss you, and a really random, but if you listen to it in the setting, very fitting llama, uh, fast llama that, that happened. I mean, that third quarter of uh, Banger Night One was quite a set. Really good. Uh, it kind of really good. It went off the rails a little bit, as I think we're going to probably chat about here. I mean, if the fourth quarters this tour, man, have uh, have been pretty rough, and, and that one kind of made going back and re-listening to that second set a little bit. I was a little bit apprehensive at first, but I listened to that segment today, and it's fantastic.
0: The last two minutes of play-by-play get very shoegazy, very uh, Hampton 97 ACDC bag before finding its way into simple. Just that was really um, was that the only down that's easy to play? No, it's the second down that's easy to play on top.
1: Second one, they played right. a type one rockin' version at Bonnaroo. Right. I've right. got to imagine that we've got another big one, but but it was great to see it come out as just like a jam vehicle in set two. I mean, I am person will never complain about that, that slot for that song.
0: No. To me, complaining about Down the Z set two openers like complaining about Scarlet Pagonia's Fire in the Mountain set opener.
1: Yes. You know it's going to happen, so why even whine about it?
0: Right. It's going to happen. You're going to enjoy it.
1: Right. Okay. <sighs> Speaking of things that are going to happen that we wonder if we're going to enjoy in the the future or in hindsight, the award for the the seemed like a good idea at the time. Dave, there have been some really great moments in this overall tour thus far, but there have been some moments that eh, seemed like a good idea at the time. What do we have right now for week three of the tour?
0: Essentially inserting two full albums worth of new material into a summer tour.
1: Yeah, there's like basically 31 songs. I was talking with um, HF Pod uh, host RJB about this after the second night of Camden. It's basically like 31 new songs on the table right now for Fish to be playing if all the Ghost of the Forest songs are available, which they seem to be. Um, you know, anytime there are a lot of debuts, it's going to throw things off a bit from a flow standpoint. All these songs need to fit some way and most won't until there's been some good time spent with them. And that's okay. That's kind of the nature of Fish inserting 10 to 15 new songs into a rotation. The fact that they're writing new songs is a great thing. And a lot of these songs are really good, especially the casual box songs, but Dave and I are not complaining about About to Run. That's one of our favorite Fish debuts. However, this can lead to shows like 629, 19, which featured a ton of new songs in set two and never worked. And you have to add to this the fact that the 2016 uh, Big Boat songs and the 2017 debuts like Thread and Leaves are still working themselves in the rotation. Case in point, that rise come together that uh, appeared in set two of Banger. And then prior to that, appeared deep in set two of Meriwether Post Night One. It's like still trying to figure out where it fits. And we don't even know if it fits overall in the rotation.
0: So... There's all the, uh, all the Ghost of the Forest songs, which, of course, isn't just the Ghost of the Forest album, but essentially the second album that Trey was playing on the Ghost of the Forest tour. There's all the Cosmo and Vox songs. I mean, we should thank Ikylis that Trey remains as prolific as ever. And that, 100%.
1: Band, yeah,
0: and that his band keeps pushing forward with, with new music, because that's, that's great. But sometimes the Ghost of the Forest songs, especially, they feel a little forced... A little shoehorned in, case in point, with June 29th, there was a part in the second set that went Rift, which kind of doesn't have much business appearing in the middle of the second set anyway. It was followed by Beneath the Sea of Stars Part One, which was the debut of that song. And it's a very pretty, very 80s Dark Star almost sounding song, yeah. except most of the audience didn't know what the heck it was. Just coming after a rift. Wedge in the middle of set two it really kind of brought the energy down to chase that with waiting all night which I had sort of forgotten was in the rotation at all it was just a very odd segment kind of like they had to put that song in there somewhere and Trey kind of picked a place that might have been a bit questionable I mean I think like you were saying Brian with the exception of About to Run which really fits the band like a glove and is a very welcome source of dark energy I think sometimes the new songs in this tour make their presence a bit too obvious. Like, I know they tried to wedge in, I think it was Meriwether Night 2 in the first setup, Halfway Home. Mm-hmm. It didn't, I think, after Split Open Melt Encore, there was like a Ghost of the Far song. Like they're kind of like sticking out like toadstools uh, after a Rainstorm. I mean, it's just growing pains, which is fine kind of weird to us that we think that the best song, Ghost of Forest, being the title track, hasn't been played yet. I have to imagine we're going to hear that when the tour is over. So, less a complaint, more of an observation.
1: Yeah, I think the you and I are both on the same page and we've said it, but just to reiterate we're very happy that the band is this prolific and that they're writing this I mean, you go back a year from now none of us could have foreseen two completely new albums of new material being unveiled over the next 10 months. And that is such an amazing sign of Fisher's creativity and their focus on the future. Um, it's gonna, you know, create some issues within set listing. It's going to create some issues within flow. And, um, you know, I think on a, on the whole, uh, it's a good thing in the long run. I think it's just going to take some time to iron out. I, I wonder if some of these songs would have been better served if they debuted them over a period in time. But then again, that's not that's not how songs get in the rotation. So it's it's a it's a toss up either way. All right. That said, we have to press on. If this tour were a baseball season, Dave, as we said in our first episode on summer tour. Uh, Fish was a couple games out of wildcard contention. We said uh, last episode that Fish was the home team in the wild card game. Where would we be in terms of playoff contention after three weeks on the road?
0: They're still in the wildcard game, but now they're the road team. They're not playing in front of a home crowd. There's a little more pressure. They don't get to bat last. And it's not... Um, not as favorable had they been their home team, and yet still in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, you know, I think um, Camden Knight 3 as we're going to talk about here shortly w- was an instant classic, um, but I don't know if it was enough to fully save the week from itself. Uh, there were some great moments. No doubt this whole week was scattered with segments of music that we absolutely loved. Uh, one segment that uh, we were going to talk about but swapped it out is the Wago City's Final Hurrah, that's one of my favorite segments of music they played all summer. Um, But a lot of frustration, a lot of confusion. Um, It's kind of equatable to a week of two road series losses for a baseball team, uh, which is often the difference between a home wildcard game and a road wildcard game. Uh, You got to win. You got to win on the road.
0: To continue the baseball metaphor, there's a term in baseball called the rubber game. That's where if there's a three-game series and the home team wins one and visiting team wins the other, then game three for some reason is called the rubber game, as they say. Who can win the rubber game? So you could say night three of the Cannon run was the rubber game. The home team won handily on night one. I'd say lost on night two, but Fish ultimately still took the series with the game three victory. So I would say Camden went 2 for 3 being the one that I saw on Saturday night uh, the first set I enjoyed more, more than the second set it was the first set in addition to the really good first quarter it also went nicely old school with a uh, sample in, in a jar cool Papyrus which maybe they break out once or twice a year and a really excellent first set closing uh, 46 days it had this big jam in E Major Big E Major almost felt like I was at the Humphries Big e Show but the second set of uh, that Canon show, when the ultimate blaze on, I thought that was going to go 10 minutes. It was kind of nine minutes of a brief jump into Niku. And that whole set was about whenever something started going, it was recorded to something else. And just. I like Riff just fine. I just don't want to hear it in the second set.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, you know, uh, we're still having a solid tour overall i think that um i said something today on twitter through the uh btp account that um you know for for whatever you can say about the energy and the song selection and the up and down nature of the tour the fact that there aren't a ton of full shows to listen back to i am fully on board with the jamming style this uh this tour is um just way more my favor than kind of what they were playing, even in like 2017 peak era Baker's dozen type jams. Um, and I think that more of that, and some more consistency and a little bit better flow from a set listing standpoint over the next week or two, and we could really see this tour finish on a high note. I think we're in a good position for it. But yeah, I think I think they took just a slight step back in terms of the overall construction of the tour. So on that note. Be honest, Dave. How many of these shows will you actually listen to again?
0: Definitely listen to all of Canon 3. That's uh, You can pop the internet, it plays itself. I'll certainly listen back to all of the first set of Camden Night 2. Definitely listen to all the second set of Camden Night 1. Um, second Night of Banger, probably about 25%, of course, being uh, the Fuego Cities. Final Hurrah, which is pretty fantastic. In Night One of Banger, about 35% of that. Definitely the um, Down With Disease, Play-By-Play, uh, Simple, which we discussed. And uh, there's
1: some other... Limb-by-limb limb in set one. Oh God,
0: yeah, that's phenomenal.
1: That's phenomenal. Limb-by-limb limb was... I mean, and that's, that's like... That, to me, is the tour right now, is that they play a Mike's Groove to end the first set... And it's a very standard mics, so and it goes into uh, Water in the Sky, which bit, you know, it was raining, but I was kind of like, okay, I don't necessarily need to hear this right now. And then they go into Limb by Limb, and Limb by Limb can be the standardest of standard songs in set one, unless it has a surprising moment. And it found this way into this, like, very weird, minor key, kind of blissfully ethereal jam that uh i just freaking love and it went on for about 10 minutes and then it came back in a limb by limb and went in a weak bug groove and those moments on this tour are so shocking and so wonderful when they happen there's such bursts of creativity and kind of new playing and new musical directions that is i'm, I'm all about it for
0: that first set is actually i think it's a little better than we've given it credit for it's there's a really i, good, I agree there's a very nice 14 minute bathtub gin in that set.
1: That also went into type two territory, just yeah. kind of went in there and then came back.
0: I mean, ass handed type two bathtubs in the dogs, waves, and a mic screw. That's not, you will very much enjoy that
1: if you were there. Yes, I would have totally loved that. And you would have been thinking at that point in time, we're about to see a two night midweek run that's going to rival, you know, whatever they're going to play for the rest of the year we're going to be talking about. And I think. You know, I said it after the banger runs I, I don't think we're going to be talking about the banger run as a run for the rest of the year but I think we're going to talk about segments of it that we've been discussing here um, you know those frustrating moments surrounded by just peak moments of inspiration and brilliance uh, really have defined this tour in a large way absolutely
0: okay this gets up to uh, the last category one of our favorite categories the this is why we do this or What we got?
1: I think we're going with the popular answer here, and I think we're uh, we're right to go with this. June thirtieth, twenty nineteen. The whole show. Um, you know, we're gonna get into it here in a second. I mean, I, I have some reservations in terms of the fact that the band played their biggest show of the tour by playing an overtly old school set list. But I can't deny how much I loved it. I loved listening to it. I loved following it. Specifically, the 60-minute segment that opened up set two. that went Mr. Completely into, without question, I mean, there's no debate, the best 20 years later that's ever been played. Um, Mm. Big Black Furry Creature from Mars, the tweezer that everybody had been waiting for. And then one of the best, if not the best, place shades I've ever heard the band play. What what a gorgeous come down after all.
0: Yeah, I mean, there isn't anything wrong with, um, pardon the pun, uh, feeding the fish. <laughs> and when the first set goes curtain with, fast enough for you? Buried alive, camel walk, Reba. Thing. Okay, they're playing like old school crowd pleasers, and that's. Perfectly alright and I will just take a spoon and scoop that up. And then sample in a jar, not a bad placement for that song. It's a good song. Yes. Yeah. Pebbles and marbles, which got what they haven't played Essence Baker's dozen. There's some
1: complete. Uh, yeah, cool. Powder Night.
0: Tila, Mango Song, Driver, David Bowie. So, yeah, if you're old school, new school fan, that's a dream for a set. It's just there's no two ways about it. I actually did not webcast last night I was uh, with my parents And I was watching the Mets game With my dad And they actually came back and won at the end They snapped a seven game losing streak but I was kind of watching the set come my phone the Phone kept blowing up Because of uh, the Beyond the Pond Twitter account My wife was like shit's blowing up, what the is going on? <laughs> like, I'm just popular no.
1: Yeah <laughs> No, I mean it was the, the Average Song debut, uh, I think I'm wording that right. The, the Average Song debuts, uh, or debut year from last night's show was 1994. I went back through all of 2019, 2018, and even 2017 and couldn't find a single show that was an Average Song year debut of 1994, which is kind of insane. It was like the most old school show that they've played in at least three years. And I'm sure if I went back through it, um, the closest I got was 1996. Uh, So, you know, for the band to play a show like that, I feel like my interpretation, especially in hindsight, is it was almost like a message to the fans. like Hey, thank you guys for embracing all this new material that we've written. We really appreciate that you guys are still coming out for it even when we're playing like, loads and loads of new songs here is the reason why you fell in love with us in the first place and no matter if you are the 3.0ist of 3.0 noob or if you've been around since the early 90s or in the late 80s like Dave, the mid 90s, myself, a 2.0 guy the songs that they played in that first set are what we were all introduced to Fish with you know, you weren't introduced to fish through Round Room. You weren't introduced to fish through Fuego. You were introduced to fish through songs like The Curtain, songs like Camel Walk, songs like uh, David Bowie, songs like Reba. I mean, these are the songs that define why people became fish fans in the first place. And so it was just such a cool moment to see on Twitter and to hear from friends of mine who were there. Some of my very close friends were at the show. And every single person there had the exact same reaction. It was just like gushing love for me.
0: And anytime they open a second set with Mystic Completely, which is not. It's happened twice? Very, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's happened
1: twice.
0: You know, it's uh, taking the bullet train, the jams, real. There's no uh, there's no five minute versions of Mr. Completely. No. It's not that they really have an ending. <laughs> just
1: Yeah, right. <laughs>
0: down and goes into something else.
1: <laughs> so.
0: Yeah, I was all. Uh, yeah. I'll come to explain a bit more that 20 years later, it kind of seemed like an odd pick at first, but that ended up being, it's my current favorite jam of the tour. Big Black Furry Creature kind of snaps you from a stupor. The Tweezer, it's interesting. I don't think the Tweezer ever goes into uh, like a different major key. It stays in the same key. It's just as heavy peaks. Like, yes. peaky peaky. Kind of reminded me a lot of the version from um, the holiday run from 2015 2016 the four nights I think mm, it was mm. January 2nd 2016 good call. where it's just like uh, Trey Rage like it stays in the same key with ragey peaks like headbanging stuff
1: it's a really good call
0: I mean Shade like you said good placement most events aren't planned no one complains about that Then they kind of being that um, what this tour has been known for is kind of fourth quarters that seem a bit like they're trying to shoehorn a bunch of stuff in a bunch of, you know, five, six minute songs. Mac is super, Choctaw's Torture, Susie Greenberg. I mean, I'd have been happy for Choctaw's Torture to be, you know 14 minutes as opposed to seven and seven for Susie. You know, you don't want I just fear Fish getting a bit too comfortable with the fourth quarters like the Dead War in the 80s and the 90s where it's, you know, Jerry Ballard throwing stones not fade away or Ballad, Round Round, Good Lovin', you know, like, you can kind of see the fourth quarter from a mile, coming from, like, a mile off. We don't... I don't think they gotta do that.
1: Yeah, like, the fourth quarter's are feeling very deadly in that sense, where the jams end, and then, okay, now we have to, like, wind down the show with three or four songs before we get to the, the encore. Um, right. Yeah, I mean, I I, I... I thought in the moment when they came out, and they just intentionally jammed completely... And then twenty years later, and then big black furry, and then they start tweezer. I looked at the clock, and I don't know if curfew was extended last night because it was a later show than Saturday night was. Um, I, I was wondering, are they actively going for a four-song set now? And you know what a way to just like treat your fans with here's this very old-school set one that sounds like it could have come out of you know the 1992 spring tour in some ways. And here is a four song set that could have come out of 1997. This is everything that every one of you loves about us. You're welcome. Now we're going to play an entire show and spec of Ghosts of the Forest songs and Casual Rock songs. <laughs> you know, like it kind of felt that way for a second. And uh, I'm, I'm okay that it didn't end up that way because, you know, it kind of felt like, um, like Japanese art in the sense where like the flaw is part of the point. But um, uh, I loved it nonetheless, I had a really good time.
0: And then what, the encore was, uh, punch you in the eye, what's the use? And then if they had gone, what's the use? a reprise, there would not have been any canon pavilion left standing. Yeah. But they played <laughs> Julius, which, that's almost like they're trolling us.
1: Julius, man. <laughs> Julius. I got called, I got called very jaded, uh, uh, today for, for, Kind of half-heartedly joking about uh, the Julius. Uh, I, I don't know if you needed Julius there, but uh, whatever.
0: It, you like, a tweet t- prize there. Exactly. Sometimes it's okay to zig where you think they're gonna zag. That's what makes fish fish. Right. But, so SPAC will get the tweet prize opener or two tweet prizes or who knows, who knows. Anyway, on that note, let's listen to a bit of a segment of the Twenty Years Later Jam. That um if I think I know what it's gonna be, you better be sitting down.
1: DotNet is the destination for live music on demand. They have a growing collection of over 15,000 full-length concert recordings from bands like Wilco, Humphreys McGee, and j So you'll never run out of live music to explore. You can listen to a show from last night or one from 40 years ago.
0: It's available on desktop, iOS and Android apps, Sonos, and Loo OS. Just like us, the folks at Nugs.net are live music fanatics. So they're offering new subscribers at 35% discount on an annual subscription.
1: So go to nugs.net slash Osiris and sign up today. If you already have a subscription, give the gift of live music to a friend. Again, nugs.net slash Osiris for a 35% off an annual subscription. that you enjoyed consumed have been enlightened by that insane 20 years later jam something i never thought i would ever say in my entire life but what a jam i have enjoyed the two times 20 years later has jammed but man nothing like last night last night was really special um so we're going to transition here and talk about new albums these are records that have come out within the last couple of weeks that we both find ourselves listening to, and we think that you should be too. And my record is already one of my favorite records of the year, uh, written by one of my favorite songwriters of this decade of all time. It's Bill Callahan, Shepherd in a Sheepskin Vest, and I'm going to play the song 747 off of it. Um, So like I said, Bill Callahan is one of my favorite artists Uh, He has put out three now of my favorite records of the 2010s, being Apocalypse from 2011, Dream River from 2013, and now Shepherd in a Sheepskin Vest from 2019. And this record, this released in three parts, he's finally made a dad record. It's unbelievable. I mean, he's a new dad, but it's finally a dad record coming from Bill Callahan. This is a sprawling record. It's like 15 plus tracks. It's over an hour of music. It just feels endless when you're in it. But it's very quiet. It's very thoughtful. It kind of moves in these hushed tones and very nuanced. It's not out in the open. It's not out there to like grab your attention pretty much the way you would anticipate a Bill Callahan record to be. It's very complicated, and it's really just everything that I want from Bill Callahan. I listen to these songs I get just lost in the lyrics musically there's like haunting sonic experimentations that go on in the background have essentially nothing to do with what's going on in the original song but fit perfectly um, it's livelier in some cases than Dream River his record that came out in 2013 um, but it's also kind of the sound of a man at ease with domesticity at ease with the turn that his life has gone down over the last couple of years since he had a child while also kind of fascinated with what this has opened up for him in his mind. And it's just one of the better new dad records I've heard in years. Um, Kind of the last thing I would say about this, because I would encourage you to just go ahead and listen to this record. But one of my favorite music writers, Jason Green, Uh, wrote about this he wrote this review for for this record for pitchfork and it's really wonderful uh it's really uh just like hits on the complete nose the sentiments that come along with this record especially for those of us who have young children who hear this record and hear um you know there's there's fear on this record there's endless love there is just this sense of peace but also you know, this new terror of what could happen to this world that you've created. Um, so, Shepherd in the Sheepskin Vest, just a beautiful, beautiful record that um, I will be listening to you throughout the remainder of this year on a pretty regular basis. We're going to listen to 747 right now. I woke
2: up on a 747. Flying through some stark footage of heaven. This is the light right here Before clouds bittersweeten with suggestion This is the light bald and bold as baby Crawling toward adulteration There was blood when you were born And the blood was wiped from your eyes This must be the light you saw That just left you Screaming And this must be The light you saw Before our eyes Could disguise True meaning And this must be The light you saw Just as you were Leaving
0: Leaving Okay Brian Thanks for that rundown of the new Bill Callahan, which I have been enjoying as well. So I'm briefly going to talk about the new album from this band called $75 Bill. The album is called I Was Real. We're going to play a little bit of the song, uh, the opening track, Every Last Coffee or Tea. A $75 Bill or a duo consisting of Che Chen on guitar and Rick Brown on percussion, often which means him sitting on top of a large plywood box and beating it with his fists or a club. It's uh, quite fun to see live. And they kind of specialize in droning instrumentals that end up sounding like soundtracks for futuristic Western movies. They do blues workouts. There's uh, some Indian raga. I know the guitar tones are supposedly uh, Mauritanian-inspired. And on this album... There's also uh, horns and woodwinds on a few tracks. I know often with the live show, they flesh out the duo with um, three-piece horn and woodwind section from time to time. So the album is 70 minutes long. It's quite heady. And if you uh, enjoy Yola Tango's more droning experimental tracks or really any kind of music considered both repetitious and awesome, I highly recommend you check this band out. Uh, They somewhat defy categorization. I mean, the album just came out this past Friday, so I'm still trying to wrap my head around it while also listening to the Fish Summer Tourists at the same time. It's a rough life we lead here (laughs) at Behind the Pond. But uh, suffice to say, if you've enjoyed where Brian and I have led you in the past with regards uh, to instrumental music, I think you owe it to yourself to check out the new $75 Bill album. Let's listen to part of the Eleven minute opening track, every last coffee or tea.
1: segment of the show what are we listening to right now just as a quick recap these are albums that they may be somewhat new they may be quite old they may be medium old we are just kind of opening the vaults here and recommending some records that we have been listening to and have entered our rotation that we highly recommend you guys check out as well and for that i am going to play matthew doc dunn's lightborn and the opening track, Love Beams for TB. So, Matthew Doc Dunn is a Toronto based experimental freak folk songwriter. And uh, like many of my favorite records I've listened to over the last five or six months, I was introduced to this from uh, Jeff Conklin of the Avant uh, Ghetto, former Radio Hour, hopefully soon once again Radio Hour, hopefully future guest of Beyond the Pond. Um, I think he tweeted something out about this in the winter and it threw it on and it just completely hit me. I remember checking for reviews and press about it. And I immediately saw that it capped out at an 8.0 on pitchfork, which is basically code for one white dudes who make experimental guitar driven music and two, a sure BTP hit seriously. Yes. my favorite music of this last two years have uh, capped out at 8.0s on pitchfork. Um, of note, Dunn and his band served as the backing band for US Girls 2018 record, which was really great. My brother loved that album. This record, kind of the easiest way to sum it up, it is the equivalent of ordering pizza on a Friday for the Beyond the Pond crew. Just perfect. It's right. It's exactly what you want. It's just giving you that tomato sauce and Great crust and cheese and pepperoni, all, all those things I don't know anything about here in Denver, Colorado, because you can't uh,
0: pepperoni that curls up, pepperoni cups,
1: the cups with a little bit of oil in it, cups. that like crispy crust, mm. uh, you know, just like the bite, the, the oh, it's the best. Um, this record, if you fused Astro Weeks and Maggot Brain, which I know sounds insane, but it's kind of true. It's funky as hell at times, without being too white. It's introspective and wandering in its thoughts. It's also really shocking. The first track weaves through so many different sections. It almost sounds composed and kind of, you know, you'll, you'll hear just aspects of like what Fish does when they're jamming from segment to segment to segment. Um, I heard this record on Bandcamp and bought it immediately with a few other records and only later realized I'd paid $40 for the album because technically it's international shipping coming from Canada. But I'm here to tell you it was so worth it. This is a fantastic record that I've spun on so many Saturday mornings and I've listened to in the evenings, kind of late nights. It just fits a ton of different moods, has such a great sound to it. It is uh, one of my favorite records I've listened to over the last uh, two or three years. And it's a record that uh, had I found it at the... Uh, when it was released it would have definitely ended up in my top 10 of last uh, of last year so we're gonna to a bit of love beams for TB off of matthew Doc Lightboard.
0: do this literally and tell you what I was listening to this afternoon in the car Chuck Brown and various go-go jams because of the jam in that 20 years later and the song I'm gonna play for you is a Chuck Brown song from uh, 2007 The Party Roll so this is what happened as I uh, said earlier in the podcast I didn't webcast last night because I was doing something else but I had um like an hour and 45-minute drive back to New York City from Connecticut. And I told my wife and daughter, I have to listen to Last Night's Fish show for research purposes. (laughs) So they said, okay, fine, you're driving, we don't care. My daughter lately has taken me putting on headphones anyway, so she can't hear it. So um, listening to the 20 years later jam, when it got towards the end, I yelled out, oh, shit. Fish is playing a go-go beat. Oh wow! My wife looked at me kind of quizzically. So go-go, briefly, it's um kind of best described as a subgenre of funk and R&B that has its origins in late '60s and mid 1970s Washington D.C. And that's where it was born. That's where it kind of resides the most today. And the beat in question relies on a syncopated pattern of uh, quarter notes and eighth notes between the kick drum and the snare with the uh, additional percussion used for accents, usually cowbells and the wood blocks. There's also much in the way of call and response vocals. I mean, I'm not really going to attempt to explain to you this rhythm pattern in so much as you know it when you hear it. And I think the most well-known example of this is uh, the late 80s, EU experience unlimited jam the butt as in doing the butt which was used in a Spike Lee movie you probably heard that if not dial it up lots of fun it's a groove that's loose syncopated it'll make you move from side to side and really four Caucasian guys in their 50s from Vermont have no business attempting it but fishing are not ordinary guys John Fishman is most definitely not an ordinary drummer and probably uh, the most important figure in the movement is a guy by the name of Chuck Brown, a.k.a. the godfather of go-go music. And like I said, after listening to the jam the 20 years later, I immediately went into Spotify for the rest of the car ride, found a Chuck Brown playlist, and proceeded to listen to endless go-go jams for the rest of the ride home. And Unfortunately, uh, he died at the age of 75 in 2012, he had continued making records and playing gigs right up until his death. And I recently stumbled on his 2007 album, We're About the Business. and I'm going to see to it that the track, The Party Roll, is now my unofficial theme song for the summer of 2019. Let's listen to that and let's marvel at the fact that John Fishman has not lost any capacity to surprise 36 years after the fact.
2: I Just rock your body from side to side Roll, 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 roll. roll it wide and let it glide Roll, 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 roll. Come on. Now let me see you rocking out on that floor And rocking that body to roll Yo, When you walk in the club, you want to show some love Huh? <laughs>
1: With us in our 70th episode. Kind of an important episode. That uh you know, there was a point where I never thought we'd make seven episodes, let alone ten, let alone fifty. So this is a slow climb to triple digits. It's kind of wild. Um, thank you all for hanging with us here as we covered the third week of Fish's Summer 2019 tour, Bangor and Camden. A quick recap of the songs that we featured. So new album recommendations, I featured Bill Callahan's Shepherd in a Sheepskin Vest, song 747. Dave did $75 bills, I Was Real, the song Every Last Coffee or Tea. And then in our second segment of music, what are we listening to right now? I talked about Matthew Doc Dunn's album Lightborn and the uh, song Love Beams for TB. Dave talked about Chuck Brown and various go-go jams because of that. 20 years later, he did the party Roll, which is fantastic. And I uh, hope you all enjoy that.
0: So just one quick programming note, um, for the upcoming episode next week, I actually will not be available. So I have some family business to attend to that week. And hopefully, uh, won't keep me out of commission for more than one, definitely not more than two episodes. But lucky for you, we're going to have uh, Ben Greenfield, good friend of the pod, Guy Forget, OPT on Twitter, to pinch hit. I'm sure he will do a fantastic job. So, just want to remind you of our social media links. We're on Twitter, at underscore Beyond the Pond. Been pretty active lately with summer tour. Sometimes it's me, sometimes it's Brian, sometimes it's uh, you don't know. There's ways to find out. <laughs> We're uh, got a Simple Cast page. Of course, we use Simplecast. Cast. It's uh, one word beyond the pond. Simple You can find us on Spotify, the Beyond the Pond podcast song playlist. If a song is available on Spotify, we try to put it into what's become an extremely unwieldy 300, 400 plus song playlist at this point. It's a good tour throughout all of our episodes. Be sure to check out the other podcast of the Osiris podcast family at OsirisPod.com, which we are a proud member. And leave us an iTunes review. We like them, we read them, and it helps increase our visibility. In Appleland.
1: Absolutely. And as you've noticed, no episodes have been coming out on Tuesdays because we record these on Monday nights and try to pump them out before we get too deep in the next tour. Wednesdays, Thursdays are the best place to find us right now during summer tour. Uh, We've got this episode coming out, and then we'll have two more after this covering uh, SPAC and Fenway and concluding with Mohegan Sun and Alpine quite excited as we move towards the kind of conclusion of summer tour here, uh, and see how, how, how this whole, whole thing shapes out. got some really classic venues, some really classic places, uh, for fish to be playing classic locations overall. So we're very excited about that. And, um, yeah, I think we're, uh, we're just looking forward to the end of this tour. We're really looking forward to this tour to keep going and, um, we will get back to our every other Tuesday schedule at some point here in the future. But, uh, who knows when? We got a lot of stuff to mm. talk about.
0: And we enjoy talking about it. We enjoy having you listen to it. We enjoy keeping the conversation going online. Always keep in mind that we love fish. Sometimes you get a bit critical, that's what makes it fun. That's what um, makes us want to see more and have the band strive to do better and more interesting. If every show is the exact same, then there would be no reason to see more than one that's what makes this band amazing so on that note we'll come back in a little bit we will hold hands we will say kumbaya we will look forward to uh 20 minute jams which turn into go-go jams and we will go beyond the pond